0: Crime blowing our mind. You get shy to snapping behind. Start at the bottom, then try to climb. Top five. the to the papier. We stories in the popular. If it's fire, we're gonna give you it. you know how it goes if send the kit. Hey. Welcome back, everyone. Well, today we have a great guest. His name is Luis chaparro you can find him on instagram at luis curiaki that's k-u-r-y-a-k-i you can also get a lot more information at confidential.substack.com what are we talking about today narcos drug cartels the border a whole lot of stuff so you don't want to miss this one make sure to share subscribe hit that like button you know we like it let's not waste any more time and welcome to the show luis welcome sir
1: carlos thank you very much for, for having me here man this this will be fun
0: Thank you very much for being here. Um, it's, I always really admire any reporter who covers anything to do with the cartels because yeah. uh, it's not uh, the safest gig in town. Tell us a little bit about your work. Well, I,
1: I started covering um, drug trafficking and immigration like 10 years ago or, well, actually yeah. a little bit more.
0: So you've been around for 10 years reporting on the border of drug trafficking and whatnot?
1: Yes, exactly. Specifically on drug um, organizations and human smuggling, which in the border, they intersect, you know, like very, very often.
0: Which border are you mostly at? Are you in Arizona, Texas, California? All uh, the above? Texas
1: border is where, where I'm based, <laughs> but moving all the above and actually like, most recently, all through Mexico and and Latin America, I, I'm just back from Colombia to like with the border with um Colombia and Panama, um, and I interviewed like some people from the Clan del Golf, which is this huge um, cartel in Colombia, which is also like pretty crazy, and um so yeah, I'm 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 moving south, you know, <laughs> I'm exploring my ways south of the border also
0: (laughs) it's interesting because i just read something the other day about the issues i think it's in chiapas down there they were having pause on the guatemalan border in mexico but nobody talks about that border um yeah like no one's
1: really definitely no one's really paying attention to the southern border in mexico and i I think it's like purposely that border has been wide open and has been you know like working all kinds of merchandises including human like for forever and um, it's a very conflicted area, um, as you might know. Like there is a new self-defense group slash criminal organization in Chiapas. This is the second one born this year. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that area is like pretty, pretty sketchy, pretty particular. But I guess we're gonna start listening more about Chiapas and um, Guatemala, well, that, the the border, because because all all the all the stuff that is going on there, with the, especially with with immigration, you know, like think... migration.
0: It wasn't good. Was it the cartel Jalisco that sent a threat over to the Guatemalan police? Exactly.
1: Yes, exactly. Like the the Jalisco Nueva Generation is expanding. Like, well, they're basically looking and like doing alliances inside the U.S. to push their merchandises and bring money back to to Mexico, but they want to be closer to the source, you know, like they want to be closer to the cocaine one of the closer to the routes and own actually that so they're moving into guatemala um recently talked also with a nicaraguan military who's to tell me like where the cartel jalisco is operating and how um, they're in nicaragua they're in costa rica um colombia and and honduras so they're basically all over the place in south america actually like growing so that's it's it's an impressive uh, way they have to like to to actually expand you know
0: a lot of people don't realize that how big they really are they think it's just mexico but cartel jalisco and i think sinaloa cartel reaches pretty far as well right
1: exactly like the, the only other mexican cartel who was actually very strong in in other countries other than mexico including asia and europe it's uh, the sinaloa cartel but um now the jalisco cartel is taking over like very very quickly those guys have more than i guess the sinaloa cartel has like a strong way to corrupt all and everything, but the Cartel Jalisco de has the money to to do it. So they're like they're like a very very powerful economic financially speaking, um, that cartel.
0: And you work a lot in the north. You said of North Mexico, the Baja Tijuana area, or not Tijuana, Texas area as well. Um, mm-hmm. Who are the cartels that are controlling that territory right now? Do we know?
1: Well, it's it's messy because I just published this story today where. Um, I found that there is more than 400 um, criminal organizations operating out of Mexico as of today. 400? 400. 400. So it's really, really messy. Um, in 2006, President Calderón started like this um, strategy of dividing. You know, he tried to make the old divide and conquer, you know, but it backfired because the police obviously was not ready to fight, not even like small organizations that are very, very um, well, strong in corruption too. So what, I, what ended up happening is you have these two major key players, which is the Sinaloa Cartel and the Cartel Jalisco, basically operating everywhere. Um, the old Zetas don't really exist anymore. just like new setas new and, and Cartel del Golfo and like a lot of other small cartels. But in the Northern Mexico, you have Sinaloa Cartel operating through several different uh, branches, you know, like Los Salazar, um, Los Mayitos, Los Chapitos, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a fucking mess, like to be honest, it's it's crazy how they are operating in, in the north of Mexico. Cartel Jalisco as well is making alliances with all cartels, like the um, Juarez cartel, they're making an alliance through La Linea, which is the strong, like the arms, um you know, uh, like the, yeah, like a strong arm of the Juarez cartel. And in, in the area of, of Tijuana, Tamaulipas, and all those other places, well, obviously the the um, ariano felix is still, still very strong in baja and oh, really? the gold cartel is still very strong on the on the other side maulipas but the sinaloa cartel has presence on both and it's fighting both but it's also fighting internally you know so it's it's dividing and it's uh, yeah it's a it's a weird fragmentation and a very dangerous one for this country
0: i'll definitely want to talk about that a little bit too about the sinaloa cartel because i know they have both I think it was, I forgot the guy's name, Zambada or Moya or something, going Mm -hmm. against the Chapitos, the Suns. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a question. I've asked before. I haven't really got the answer I'm looking for, because maybe there isn't. I don't know. Um, Calderon, you mentioned in 2006. Some people Mm -hmm. were arguing, some theories were going around saying, well, Calderon was really fighting certain cartels to give Mm -hmm. others power because they were giving him money. You ever hear any of that rumor?
1: Definitely, man. And I think it's, and I think it's, when you when you see when you look back, you you notice that that was one of his strategies. You know, like divide and conquer, but also give one cartel the power. That that cartel was the Sinaloa cartel. He he really gave a lot of power to the Sinaloa cartel through Kenaro uh, Garcia Luna, which was his um, his top security officer. Uh, and now he's indicted in the U.S. You know, because of that, because money laundering, because being involved with the Sinaloa cartel. I mean, Calderon could say he didn't know that was going on, but I talked to sources inside the U.S. government that said, like, we reached out to Calderon uh, when he was about to appoint García Luna, and he knew, like, he knew. We, we sent him letters, and we got, like, private meetings with him to, 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 to let him know that this guy was, like, pretty much corrupted inside the cartel. Um, but Calderon is always, always going to say, like, I didn't know. But, like, I don't know. I don't know about that, man.
0: Yeah, that's the difficult <laughs> part, right? You can't really prove it. It's kind of hard to prove that. Yeah. Let me ask you. Um, I was starting to think about the ten years ago. There was some. There was another question about history, and I, I lost it. Okay, it'll come back to me later, I guess. <laughs> so we'll <Yeah>. go <laughs> back over here. I don't know where it went it disappeared. The, the, oh, yeah, out of curiosity, the Familia Michoacana—they're still around, Cause I know. The Nueva Familia was supposed to be coming back, but I don't know if they ever took off or not.
1: Well, also Michoacana and Guerrero is another messy place for Mexico now. Like the, the old family, the traditional familia michoacana, it's not really present right now. There's like the new familia michoacana. Um, but now there is a lot of self proclaimed self defenses in Michoacan that are not really self defense. You know, they're, they're totally cartel and criminal organizations. It's basically the playbook of Colombia, what happened in Medellin and what happened in these places. A lot of groups. That used to be part of the FARC of the um, of the self-defense group. Um, they they decided they're not longer with them and they're like self-defense, but they're in charge of trafficking cocaine, extorting people, human smuggling. They still claim they're, they're out, they are self-defense and fighting back the paramilitaries and fighting back the the, the cartels. In Michoacan and, and Guerrero, it's exactly the same as as for today. When like these new Carteles Unidos, no, they, they say like, no, we're like a self-defense group against the Cartel Jalisco, but they're not any other thing but like a group of small cartels trying to get a stronghold of of, of Guerrero and Michoacán.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Now I remember my other question I was going to ask you. You mentioned these groups like La Linea. I think another one's Los Viagras, I think is another Los one. Mm-hmm. A lot of like little gangs, it looks like, or some kind of militia groups that work for the cartels but they don't fall under the name of the cartel. They're just kind of working with them. How long has that been going on? I don't remember really seeing that 10 or 15 years ago. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, no, it it wasn't happening like that. Everybody wanted to be under like a big structure before, you know, like everybody wants to be like below the huge cartel and use their name and have the name and be, you know, Mm. in good terms with them. Now that you have like the Union de Pito and then Los Viagras and then Los Chapitos and then Mm. the Salazar and then like these small groups, and basically what, what they're doing is they're like ha- trying to get their own brand. A brand inside the cartel world works a lot, you know. Um, so let's say I start my own brand and I sell it Los Chaparros. And then I want to make that brand strong and you know? I want to make that brand like known. Even though if my chain of supply comes from the Sinaloa cartel or from the Cartel Jalisco or from the Unión de Pito or like one of the, these biggest cartels, even then I want to put my name like out you know my brand because i think that that's gonna be where i'm gonna be calling my own territory and my own turf um which is honestly i don't know how smart it is from from their on their side you know because because like talking about these huge cartels you get some 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 benefits of being under their wing you know um but i guess everybody wants to be a chapo now in 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 latin america
0: What's interesting is at first I thought well, maybe the cartel Jalisco or Sinaloa cartel wanted to take some of the heat off of them, right? Because you can blame it on La Lina, you can blame it on those Viagras, and it doesn't go under the name of cartel Jalisco, and it kind of relieves them of that stress. But I, I don't know, I just never seen it because I know they kind of seem to have gone, sometimes they battle each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they literally battle each other. Like in Chihuahua, it's happening right now. Like, yeah. there's, there's been like 18 murders well well 18 people got killed in, in, a, in a fight during the weekend in in the south of chihuahua near sinaloa and that was because of an accession of a group of the sinaloa cartel you know like the there the, was like a huge family and now they're splitting and now they're fighting but both of them are sinaloa cartel basically and that happens exactly like that that's exactly what happened with the Cartel jalisco Nueva Generacion. they used to be a part of the sinaloa cartel and then they split, and now they're fighting. And now that cartel is huge, you know. So I guess that's that's what's happening all, all over Mexico.
0: That's a good question. I guess now's a good time to ask you about the Sinaloa cartel. What's going on over there? Because I know they have the former El Chapo's right hand man, and now he's battling the two sons. And, mm-hmm. and I, I hear these stories in Sinaloa, and it's sometimes mind blowing. As I heard Sinaloa uh, cart, uh, what is a Sinaloa Cartel University? <laughs> yeah, I hear all these they're... crazy stories. The El Chapo store. What's happening between the, in the Sinaloa cartel?
1: Well, the, the Sinaloa cartel is, is also like suffering from like fragmentation, and it used to be in the hands of El Chapo and El Mayo. Um, when El Chapo was arrested, his sons um, got like inherited the cartel, you know, like a fraction of El Chapo. El Mayo has been obviously always the, the guy in charge at the very top. We don't know recent pictures of him. We don't know where he is. Is basically a smart man who will all like, I mean, El Chapo tried to be famous. He tried to make a, make a movie out of himself and out of his story and all that stuff. And I think that got him where he is right now. And I think El Mayo, it's way more um, intelligent in that, in that, in that sense. Um, so the Chapitos are actually, the sons of El Chapo are now trying to fight back against El Mayo, against an old El Chapo partner. They're snitching each other, they're fighting each other, and they're, like, doing everything they can to get a stronghold of their territory. But, um, in, in, but also another key player in Sonora, uh, specifically, Caro Quintero, still working in, in mm-hmm. Sonora. Um, and, and he's fighting against both, against Chapitos and against Los Mayos, because he wants to be the guy, in, like, in, in charge of the Sinaloa Cartel in Sonora. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fucking mess, man. it's honestly, it's it's an ever changing. When you say right now, as we're talking and saying this stuff, like things might be changing actually, and they might not like apply on like the next day, you know.
0: Caro Quintero, he's old now, isn't
1: he? He's old. He's an old man. As a, also like Belmayo is, a, it's an old man. Like there's a bunch of old men. Uh, uh, Caro Quintero got released um, in this weird release by Mexican authorities, like in the middle of the night without letting everyone, anyone know. And then, like, two hours later, they're like, oh, no, we need him back. Hey, let's look for Caro Quintero again, which is a fucking circus, you know, it's like a show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my most of my sources have been telling me that he's working out of, out of Sonora, in a group called Los Quinteros, and um, fighting. He used to have these head of sicarios called El Durango, which is... Um, which was uh, like a, a head of, a head of, uh, of his hikarios in Sonora. He was recently arrested, but he used to be um, a U.S. military. He's, uh, he's a U.S. citizen, went to the army, knows all the way around like army tactics and techniques and started like um, training a lot of, a lot of his soldiers in Sonora.
0: That's the weird things I know. I've, I've heard that I'm talking to gang experts here, the gang members will or gangs will send their members to the military to train
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get better with combat and whatnot and fighting and shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, definitely going on. Yeah, and the cartels, I guess the same thing, right? Exactly. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um,
1: U.S. veteran, like U.S. green card holders deported into Mexico that they are taken hmm. by the cartel, too to train people which is which is kind of shitty, you know?
0: what's happening at the border right now that you know of i mean you're covering that area too is there is there a lot of i haven't heard much about tijuana but i know usually tijuana is up there in the top five most homicides in mexico yeah what's going on right now over there
1: still crazy man tijuana has a new chief of police as we do also oh, in, right. in, in, in chihuahua and in, in like most of these cities we've had recently elections so we have a new new staff so to, yesterday i think or two days ago where like what's the, the the first day in office for that new chief of police which is a controversial chief of police and he got like these pretty nice gift on his office a beheaded man you know like sure. they, they put a head outside his office and and that's that's a message saying like i guess the, what they're trying to say is like you either work with us or you're gonna keep getting these beautiful gifts from, from our part. And you know it's the, all, all border cities are, are always gonna be like that, man, because they, they are um, very important, not only for for the trafficking but also to to stash. And also they are highly um, they have like high rates of local consuming of, of, of drugs. So the local distribution of drugs is also like very strong in these border cities
0: interesting yeah I remember that. that's right I forgot about that I think Lezola tried and he lost on that one right
1: yeah Lezola tried again and, <laughs> and he lost um as you remember he he was shot in Ciudad Juarez actually after after being the chief of police in Ciudad Juarez um by well what he said it was the um the chief the, the chief of police after him that was who who, who who actually sent him to sent someone to kill him um, and now that that chief of police that Saola accused of being behind his attempted murder is now again the new chief of police in Ciudad Juárez. So imagine that, yeah.
0: <laughs> surprise, surprise.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you heard the story about the, the female mayor in Mexico City. They decided to declare war on the cartels. That was well, kind of a strange one. I'm not sure what that was all about.
1: I I, I think she was from the state of mexico the estado of mexico I'm not, I'm not sure if it was from from mexico city or like
0: from or maybe it's the state of mexico something like that yeah
1: yes 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 i i remember that but i don't i'm not very familiar with uh with the whole thing but i i, I remember a, a woman back in 2010 a super young girl she, she was like 25 years old and she was like the chief of police in charge of el valle de juarez which is like these super oh. sketchy and dark area around ciudad juarez and um, she declared war like, on cartels, and she obviously got a lot of threats immediately, had to leave the country for the U.S. And ask for political asylum, like two months after. So everybody quit. And that place was left out without any police officer. You
0: know? so. That's something I want to talk to you about, too, because I think sometimes people don't. I think they're getting better because there's more information being pushed out there the complexity of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I've studied Mexico over the years and talking to different people from Mexico and different States, people don't realize there's 32, 33 different States in Mexico. Yeah. A lot of different languages in Mexico. Um, people from Guanajuato are not the same as people from Chiapas or Mexico City. Yes, exactly. It's a very complex country. Um I guess we'll talk about it now since I'm already there. Yeah, I mean, Mexico, it's
1: it's huge and and it's very complex and it's very different from one part to another. You know, like, as you were saying, people from the north of Mexico, it's not the same, they don't don't, don't even have the same, um, you know, like culture than people in the south of Mexico. So the way we face threats, the way cartels operate, the way corruption operates and the way governments operate, varies like it's very different from state to state um obviously we have uh, a, a, a whole uh, controlled by the mexican government and the whole way of doing you know like federally because we are a federation but but even even so uh, mexico is really complex and or or states are also complex too not only to understand but also to go around you know chihuahua is the biggest state in in mexico and just to go out by land in Chihuahua it'll take you up to 15 hours you know so it's oh. it's it's huge <laughs> yeah it's so imagine like imagine like what's happening and how to control those areas which are like very remote areas um obviously there's a lot of areas lacking infrastructure so you would have surveys in most of the remote areas in Chihuahua in Michoacan in Guerrero um, highways are not the best Mm, uh, not, not hospitals like as they sh- there should be a lot of like rural communities without access to hospital or or uh, schools so yeah mexico is really really complex and really hard to to apply ru- certain rules that should apply on the first world you know like it's 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 way different like how rules apply down here
0: well, that's a great way of saying it. Yeah. Cause sometimes people from the West or the U S will try to apply what they've applied here to there and you just can't do it. It's just, exactly. it's just so complicated. I mean, I remember talking to a, I think it was an Uber driver and we were talking about Mexico It's a great way to learn about different countries, folks. If you have an Uber driver from a different country, I was with him for an hour and a half. So I learned a lot about different things. But one of the things I learned, he was saying that you can't even go to school a full year. If there's 220 days in the school year, a lot of times you'll go to 130, 140 days because they strike or unions, which ask for money. So then the kids can't even finish the third grade completely. No, That's a big challenge, right?
1: Exactly, man. Like that, and and now imagine what the pandemic has done to several communities in in Mexico. Yeah. Um, they've been hit hard. They don't have access to to hospitals. To, or even if they even if they, they do, some hospitals don't don't have access to medicine to vaccine. Like vaccination has been really hard down in Mexico. I mean, I'm I um, have I have a the. Um, uh, the blessing of being right at the border and being a dual citizenship. So I obviously vaccinated like since the beginning, uh, but, but not because I, because I, I had to, you know, otherwise I would be out of, out of work. They ask you to to vaccinate as a journalist, to go places, to go to enter other countries, to go out of the country. Um, so I'm required by companies to be vaccinated and to use um, face masks and all that stuff. I'm not sure where I stand on, on the, on the whole, you know, that it's gonna be like a, a man- mandatory vaccination. Um, I'm not sure like uh, where where I'm. Am I standing on that? But I know that Mexico is trying to vaccinate like people in Mexico is getting like they're being trying to vaccinate a lot. And there's not much um, vaccines in Mexico. The supply of vaccine is limited. And we have two vaccines that they don't work for shit, which is the Sputnik and the, uh, which, which is Russian and another one called Cancino that I don't even know where is that from. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's been hard, like the pandemic has hit hard Mexico, the inequality um, has like the pandemic has made inequality even worse in Mexico. Like the, poorest, the poor people, it's like more poor right now and the richest people, it's just like more rich in you know,
0: Now you're reminding me of something else too, because I know in Mexico there's a lot of there's certain pockets of Mexico that don't believe in medicine, don't like medicine a lot. They believe more in more um, holistic type of of Mm -hmm. medicine. They have shamans and things of that nature. But it's also religion is interesting too, because in Mexico it varies. I mean, you can have Michoacan will have a certain version of catholicism and then it changes as you start heading north and you know you add characters yeah. you add individuals like um jesus malverde up towards the north and then santa muerte down mm-hmm. over here and then you throw in uh, what is his name soldado over there and you have all these different yeah. saints and stuff so even religion can be really complicated in mexico
1: Exactly, man. Like as, as you were saying, like medicine is one of those challenges because uh, the Tarahumara's in in Chihuahua they don't believe in traditional medicine. They're very skeptic about like the, I mean, about like the city, like, the city medicine. Let's, let's call it like that. But um, they they believe in, in their traditional medicine. They believe in herbs. They they believe in making teas. They believe they they're they're smart, man. Like they knew about this huge draft coming over. Um, the very remote communities stopped. Um, harvesting since since they were like reading the moon. They, I, I was talking to one of these old guys in, in in a very remote place in Chihuahua. And it was like, I, I knew that we, we were gonna have a, a huge drop because of the way the moon was placed. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, I mean, we've been reading the moon for, for for centuries and this moon when it's placed like that and blah, 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 it's, it's not gonna rain for years maybe. So, and they, they a, a hard drive strike their communities um and so they stopped harvesting they're like we're not gonna waste our money and our work to harvest these couple of years because we know the, the drought's going to be severe so yeah they are very interesting very different ways of looking at life um as you are saying like the saints well the santa muerte is basically claiming territory all over um
0: is she growing um, there
1: it's growing. It's growing a lot in in northern Mexico. Yeah, yeah we, in South, quite as I know, there are more than two or three you know, like shrines or churches, oh. how they call them, for La Santa Muerte. Uh, Tijuana has several too. Tamaulipas, um, Sinaloa has some too. Um, so yeah, the, the cult for La Santa Muerte has been growing as as the war on drugs or the so-called war on drugs was um, was growing in Mexico and like. People was fighting, and then soldiers from the south of Mexico were brought into northern states, and sicarios also, like from Chiapas or Veracruz, were brought into to, to to Chihuahua or to Tijuana to fight other cartels. Um, they brought their their culture with them.
0: And folks, also, I also want this is not picking on Mexico. I mean, in the U.S., we have people who don't, you know, they don't believe in medicine; they're more holistic. They have their versions as well. So, I'm I'm assuming every country is the same, just got different types.
1: Exactly.
0: It's just interesting. Sometimes we watch movies, right? Or we watch TV, and that's how we learn about a different country. Yeah. I always tell a lot of times when when I do lectures, sometimes. 50 years ago, you really didn't know anything about a different country because all you could do Mm -hmm. is look at an encyclopedia. That's what uh, told you the weather and how high the mountains were. It's all you (laughs) knew.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly right.
0: Like, oh, here's the bird for Mexico. Oh, okay. That's cool. Now I know everything (laughs) about Mexicans. Yeah. And now we're learning, but there's just so much to learn. It's just not enough time. Yeah. Let me go back to so now we understand a little bit more about the culture. We see the differences in the different states, the economic situation, as you mentioned in COVID. Are the cart? This is kind of a weird situation. I've seen cartels increasing in certain pockets with with extortion. There's a lot more extortion going on, but some of these places don't have as much work because of the COVID thing. What do you know about that?
1: Extortion is always going to be, you know, like it, it's 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 weird because we I think Mexico is ready, like for legalization of weed, for example. Like the US are like legalizing weed in, in many states, and I think it's like getting some benefits out of it. You know, Uh, I think Mexico should be ready for that. But there there was like an intense backlash in some of the high production uh, states like Chihuahua and Michoacán, that they produce a lot of of wheat. As soon as the US um, legalized wheat, the uh, demand for Mexican wheat started to go down. So they had to look for other ways to make revenue. And extortion is one of them. So extortion grew as a direct consequence of weed being legalized in the US. Uh, they, um, they, they are basically all over the place. They're extorting farm workers. They, 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 like for example, Chihuahua I was recently there in La Sierra, it's called La Sierra. It's like the mountains of Chihuahua. And they are in full control of alcohol distribution no, there's, there's no way that a, that a huge um, alcohol distribution company will go in and distribute uh, beer or alcohol in, in general. They will stop them and say, like, no, we're going to buy you the product. I mean, I mean we're not going to steal or whatever. We're just going to buy you the product and we're going to distribute or, or the alcohol through all of these uh, municipalities and charge more for, for, for that. Oh, wow. So, the illegal logging also it's huge in in Mexico and Michoacan and Guerrero. Um, so most of our wood it's tainted by by the cartel and yeah it's it's crazy how they're looking for everything else as soon as they. They, as soon as they start losing a uh, revenue stream, they find several owners to, to keep alive. And that's something to, to worry about when, when talking about legalization. It's not that easy, you know, to legalize drugs in a place like Mexico because they backlash. It's, it's not that these cartels are just going to die like that, you know. They're like, oh, well, we don't have many money, so that's it, guys. Let's go back to the maquinadoras, yeah. you know. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, they're, they're going to find ways to work, you know.
0: You know it's interesting as you talked about the hierarchy and the structure a little bit of the cartels and how sophisticated they are because they do run they have what do they call it multiple streams of income they have all these different types of places to make money avocados and as yeah. you mentioned logging which i hadn't heard about and, but it makes sense any of the basic materials i can see they're sticking their hands in it right copper and exactly. lithium yeah. um i've heard of stories which always tend to be true for some reason, <laughs> but stories about cartels paying for people to go to schools, to become lawyers, politicians, engineers, so they can help them in the cartel in the future. Have you heard that?
1: I, I haven't heard like they actually invest in, in someone like in the long term. But what I've heard is uh, obviously they, they build schools. Like every, every place where there is a gap from the state, they're going to fill that gap. So if a community lacks... Doctors, they're going to fill in doctors. If, if a community lacks a school, well, they're going to fill in that school. So that's how they grew, they, they grow community in, in, in places, you know, that's a sense of community, a sense of like, we belong here. So when we need you to fight for us, you'll fight. So when we need you to let us know if the military is arriving, you'll let us know because we are like the good guys, you know. So that's uh, that's the strategy they've been using all over Latin America. I mean, that's that's a strategy that it's used in, in Colombia, and it's it's now used in in Mexico. Um, and of course, they definitely run on lawyers, on doctors, to launder money, to get to bail people out, to take care of their businesses. Um, many of them are now very. Um, they're watching closely the whole legalization debate in Mexico because they might want to try and hijack the legal uh, business of marijuana as soon as it gets legal. You know, they're gonna try and become legal in that sense. You know. So, ask you
0: this: um, so we we know that they they're infiltrating some of the politicians too. Now I've been hearing about cartel members putting up their own politicians,
1: <laughs> yeah. which
0: is even more problematic. Have you heard anything about that?
1: Yeah, man. Like it, it used to be Mexico. Maybe ten years ago, used to be, um, well, the, how it worked is like, okay, we have, you have a politician, and then you have a cartel. And the cartel will like give money out to the politician to take care of them. Right now, it's the other way around. Like cartels are setting up politicians. They're they're telling you who can and who you can't vote for. Oh, wow! The ballots, um, basically by eliminating them. That's what happened in these past elections. There was like. Those are like I don't know it was like thirty or some shit like that. Um, poly, like politicians running for public charges um, killed murder out, out for Mexico, because they want to eliminate that option out of the ballot. You know, like they're like okay, they tell you straight up either you leave the um the uh, the race or we take you out, and that's what they started doing. So we end up having the politi the. the the choices they want us to choose, you know, you end up with two or three choices, and obviously one is the biggest one. And then you, you go out to the ballots and you cross that name, thinking that's fucking democracy, which is not, you know, it's far from being a democracy. These, these guys are on charge. Um, the politicians are now asking the cartels, asking the criminal organizations to be candidates for them. They, they're like, okay, it's like fund me, you know, fund my way up, and when I'm up there as a governor, as a president, as, as a mayor, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you in any way, you know? So what they do is they set up politicians all over and then they ask for contracts, like construction contracts, highway contracts, uh, all this stuff to, to keep revenues alive and pretty much grow. Mm-hmm.
0: You see, well, you talked earlier about when you see holes in areas in the country, right, where there's not enough services provided, not enough jobs, maybe not enough school, the cartels come in to fill the hole. If the government tries to fill that hole, do the cartels try to stop them? Do you know that?
1: Well, I don't I don't think they try to stop them. They sometimes cartels, what they do, they force the authorities to actually fulfill those gaps. They ask, like, okay, we need a, a school. So you need to come here and build that school. And sometimes they force them by threatening people. And that's how they us as, as good people, you know, but obviously they're, they're not. Um, if, if a government builds a new highway, um, I guess cartels don't mind unless they need that being a rural highway, you know, unless they need that highway to be a dirt road or some stuff like that. You know? So that that's that has happened and that's one of the main reasons like that violence grows around, let's say, um, a gold mine in in a remote state that brings a lot of infrastructure to an area. So they they try to stop that gold mine uh, because that's gonna bring attention to their turf to their territory, whether it maybe are harvesting or trafficking stuff. They're gonna know. They know that there's gonna be military, police, big highways. A lot of people going in and out on a route that used to be basically alone, and that were used to traffic. Um, so they sometimes try to stop those kind of like developments in uh, through Mexico, and if they can't, as as a, a recent, I recently learned about this lithium mine in Sonora. And I spoke to one of the cartels, of, like lieutenants working out there, and he is, and I said, "Like, are you trying to stop this? Are you against the, the mine?" And he's like, "No, we're actually giving them protection. We're, lo- we're looking after them. We got to an agreement. We're getting paid well, so we're basically the security for that lithium
0: mine." And I'm, like, wow, that's fucking nuts. <laughs> the whole thing is nuts. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You see any new kids in the block and in regards to cartels? You see any new cartels popping up that you're saying, oh, we gotta keep an eye on this group?
1: I see, I see not not like a not like an up-and-coming cartel, but, but what I see is like the cartel Jalisco making strong alliances with a lot of people. Like the the, the Jalisco Nueva Generacion. They are really making alliances, and as soon as a was one like small cartel goes up, like small group criminal group grows, the Jalisco Generation will not try to fight it first, but will try to make an alliance. And that's the, the way, a very different approach from the Sinaloa cartel. Sinaloa cartel will try to fight every single other like small group popping up, you know. But the Jalisco generation will try to buy it. They're like, okay, let's work together in both for benefits, and that's more dangerous than than a cartel actually fighting another group.
0: You know. Another guy who's pretty smart, I'm assuming, is you talked about Mayo earlier and how he's, he's out of the limelight. He doesn't want any kind of attention, but I'll mention yeah. it pretty much the same way.
1: Yeah, El Mencho's, Mencho is pretty, pretty much like a smart guy, man. Like, he's he's out of the yeah. reflectors. Um, I know that there is a new operation. I can't remember the name of the operation, but there's a, a new operation that is going to be taking place between the U.S. and Mexico targeting specifically El Mencho because they know he's just too much right now, and then, then he's going to become unstoppable pretty quick um, because of the way he works. And it's not only El Mencho, I guess, like, there's there are several white-collar criminals working along the Mencho, you know like lawyers and politicians and um, uh, financial people you know that are actually pretty smart and, and growing this this cartel um, we say in Mexico that every that every um, administration has its own cartel you know like the Calderon with the Sinaloa cartel and all that stuff and I guess these, Administration cartel is definitely the Jalisco uh, nueva generación, um, but I mean it's, it's it's hard it's hard to prove, but the proof is cartel Jalisco has been growing like crazy since since the, the past I don't know five years ten years it's, it's been really really growing. Um, I don't see that that cartel stopping uh, or ending soon. And what i see it's like i guess andres manuel lopez or current president in mexico it's gonna be what well, the, the last president that is a politician and not a businessman set up by um a criminal organization i guess once his once his administration ends we're gonna watch this model of of businessmen, not only politicians, popping up to to be president of the United States. And who the fuck knows who's, who's going to be behind those guys, you know?
0: By the way, folks, again, we're talking to Luis Chaparro. You can find him on Instagram at Luis Kuriaki. That's K-U-R-Y-A-K-I. You can also go to confidential.substack.com. Let me ask you this, Luis, how much longer does AMLO have anyway? Now that I think about it.
1: How much what?
0: How much more time does AMLO have left?
1: He has uh, two years, I think. Still two years ago? Still two years ago, man. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a lot. Let's see. Let's see.
0: (laughs) Yeah, geez. What was the name of that? Um, Oh, boy. I saw the documentary. About that, pre, uh, the presidential candidate that was assassinated. What was his name? Um, Colosio. Colosio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was about what is that? Thirty years ago now, twenty something. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. That that guy was smart, man. Like, I mean, he was he was really something, and his promises really felt um, genuine. You know, he felt like a, he was like a, a politician, um, like a real politician. You know, I guess he opened up too quick. You know, he wasn't that smart to keep quiet for a while until he was in office I think he opened up against El Pri because he was a son of El Pri backed up by Salinas de Gortari and he played dumb all his way up but when he felt that he was being backed up by the people he faced back um, that old Pri and said like no we're gonna do things different and I guess El Pri felt a threat about him so that's why they they got him.
0: you think a a Colosio type today could, could work or you'll think he'll never have a shot? Don't never let them have, take over.
1: I think today we're far out from that, from those times in Mexico. Man, today Mexico has changed a lot. And, and as I was saying, like criminal organizations are just are way too different. Man, they're not the same drug traffickers because you cannot even call them drug trafficking organizations now. They do all other sorts of things. than just, drug trafficking is just one of them. Um. They, they're, they're, point. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just criminal
0: organizations now, like the mafia.
1: Exactly. They work on Samafia. mafia. Now. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's interesting because I know I was studying Mexico a little bit years ago. I remember seeing um, that the population is getting older. The average age of Mexico back in the 1970s was about 19 or 20 years old. Now it's about 28, 29. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing anything like that? Are families getting smaller? I think they used to be seven children per family. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I now it's like three or four. Are you noticing a cultural shift at all? At it's it's parts?
1: yeah, it's it's very very plausible. I, I mean, it's very noticeable. You know, where where families are shrinking, we don't think the same as those, the old saying that You know, like that's how they used to to feel about kids. Like whichever um, God send us. Uh, right now, we are more aware. Like especially, especially talking about like middle and upper classes. Um, lower classes are still having kids and big families and huge families and Mm -hmm. trying to, to, to deal with that. Um, the thing is with like my parents generations, they, they used it used to be way easier for them to get a house, you know, like the prices and the, and the salaries that the, like, even like the freelancing didn't exist back then. And now the economical and financial, um, i don't know status that we're working in mexico it's it's even harder to to get, a, to get a house to get a car to have like a huge family you know so you have to 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 think about that and so that yeah it's definitely a, a shift in, in 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 how families are growing in mexico
0: that's interesting because i know you, you obviously know more than i do but i know i talked to a couple individuals they said to, to live comfortably in mexico and I know every part's going to be different because of how the pricing is but to live comfortably just to have a nice little home doesn't have to be fancy mm-hmm. um, have a car be able to have a little extra money to do something fun on the weekends is about 30,000 a year can, mm-hmm. us dollars does that sound about right or is that too much or too little
1: well I guess I guess it depends I mean there's people who can definitely live out of thirty thirty grand a year it depends on your lifestyle and and your family and your the commodities one, like um, Northern Mexico is obviously more expensive than South of Mexico, I guess. Uh, but then, but uh, like living with 30 grand in Mexico city, you can live like that, but it's not gonna be that comfortable. You know, it's not gonna be like the, the you, you're not gonna have like all the commodities you, you want. So 30 grand might be too little for Northern Mexico and Mexico city it might be too much to live in the places like Chiapas or Veracruz. Um, you, you definitely can live comfortable with that. But uh, yeah, it totally depends. I'm, Northern Mexico is very dollarized and it's very um, very tied to the U.S. economy. So I I, 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 I live in, in between El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. I, I have an apartment in, in El Paso. I rent an apartment in El Paso and own a, a house in, in Ciudad Juarez. Um, I have a kid and obviously we have two cars and all that stuff. I couldn't make it at all <laughs> with, with 30 grand a year man like it's it's it will be like impossible to, like for me to make it with with that but i know for sure that people in southern states or even like southern southern mexico where, where southern chihuahua um they could definitely make it with 30 grand a year like the, if their community is not too dollarized
0: you must know are you familiar with professor campbell out there then
1: yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah. okay <laughs>
0: I Howard the, Campbell. <laughs> Howard Campbell. Forgot the lady's name now. Uh, she wrote the book on Lozette. That's the corporation. Yeah, what's this? Um, I can't remember her name. I'll have to bring it up a little later on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't
0: can't remember her name.
1: I know the book, and yeah, but I can't remember the name.
0: In northern Mexico, I've heard things about certain pockets of Mexico. more to contemporary times, but they're having issues with the Haitians. They've been having issues with the Cubans. What's your, what's your insight on that?
1: Yeah, well, the Haitian migration really started huge recently, um, as, as, as we saw in Ciudad Acuna and Del Rio. I was recently, as I was telling you at the beginning, I was recently in Colombia, right at the border with Panama, and they, they're arriving by the thousands. Uh, I saw a camp with more than 3,000 migrants um, heading north. Uh, many of them are not going to make it, of course. Many of them... Um, are gonna gonna die um, uh, sadly trying to. Um, the Daríen Gap, this jungle, is very very savage. Man, there's they face a lot of stuff right there. Not only dehydration or you know like dying from from hunger or or getting like bit by a by a snake or by a spider, but there's also a lot of violence inside. There's also like groups, militia, and, and paramilitares paramilitaries and other like traffickers um, killing each other inside the, the jungle. So uh, one uh, Colombian official told me that from then, from 1,000 um, migrants that go through the Darien, only half goes out. Like the older half keeps like dying. They oh, wow. die inside the Darien and it's, and it's, and it's sad, man. Um, I, went, I went there and I grabbed the same boat they grabbed to get across a Gulf um, to start their journey. And two days later, I, some of these people sent me a couple of videos of how they were drowning, like a an eight month, an eight months um, baby, a four year old kid, and a mother. They they drowned in that that call because they packed this little um, fisher boat with forty three of them. So imagine that man. That's that was, yeah, that was too much. And and they're arriving by the thousand to 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 the northern border, they they want to get into the U.S., they feel that that, that's the only way they can be safe since they were, most of them were in Chile or in Brazil and they were not doing bad, but um, they were trying to survive in Brazil with less than the minimum wage, which is like ridiculous during the Olympics. But as soon as the Olympics ended, um, they're like, we're out of job, they tried to survive, they moved to Chile, some of them, Um, they started a journey even from them from from that time. Uh, and then Chile, they were like doing better. They they have like minimum wage, but they're doing not, not that bad. Uh, but then Chile in 2000, I think it was 2018, Chile decided to um, change their constitution and say like that Haitians cannot be um, they don't apply they don't apply to have like permanent um, residence or a permanent stay in the country. So they had to go out again because they were illegal in Chile. Um, so they're just looking their way, their way around.
0: Um, it, w- one, one second. segment. Uh, well, I guess towards the end now, I don't want to get too much into politics, but we, we know we're having a big issue yeah. at the border. Um, yeah. I think it was like 200,000 last month. that came through. There's a caravan coming up again. I heard another one about 20,000 something coming up. Um, how is that being noticed, you think, by the coyotes, by the cartels, by the people in Mexico? Do you think, are they noticing it? I remember, let me do this. A couple of years ago, I remember it was different. Four or five years ago, people used yeah. to say, no, 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 Mexicans aren't the ones coming over. It's actually Central Americans who are the ones that are coming over the most. Mexicans actually yeah. make a smaller amount. Has that changed? Is it changing the way the border is right now? Is it changing how people are looking at it?
1: Yeah, man. Like it's 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 really it's really changing, and it's really it's really like, you know, when when obviously a lot of Mexicans were also heading north in, in one time. Um, you know, the, there was a period where like most of the immigration was uh, from from Mexican nationals, um, and then there was like the Central Americans um, heading heading north, and now it's Haitians, and Haitians are facing a lot of racism. Um, not only in these other countries I was telling you, like Chile or um, southern um, South America countries, but also in in Mexico border towns, uh, Tijuana, Ciudad Juarez, um, Ciudad Acuna, they're facing a lot of racism. I guess people is starting to feel the pressure of immigration on their cities. You know, they're feeling the pressure of like having to accommodate people and having to. You know, to, to actually uh, work their way around a new group, especially small cities. I mean, I guess Tijuana being a huge city wouldn't have a problem, but even, even, even then, they don't feel as comfortable with immigration as, they, as we as Mexicans used to feel back then.
0: I know Juarez was having problems with the Cubans as well because there were so many Cubans there and they were taking jobs away yeah. or, or creating different things and they were hurting the restaurants there and local businesses, right?
1: Exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's it was a mixed feeling in, 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 in Juarez with, with, with the Cubans because part of part of, uh, of the city was feeling that we could not accommodate like that, that many, that much like Cubans. But uh, but another part of, uh, of, of Mexico or so, like, Juarez felt like they actually uh, were working and having restaurants and having, you know, like setting up shops that, that were like enriching our, our culture as, as, as a border city.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So, I wonder how how do the cartels feel about it, do you think? Do they care? Well, is it more money for them? Or I don't exactly
1: know, you... for cartels is going to be more money. So they're always like up for it. You know, they 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 always say, and every single time I, I talk to to smugglers, they say like they're helping them achieve uh, a goal, helping them to achieve a dream. But it's it's like, yeah, man, like they're helping you get your pockets more fat, you know, because they they charge a lot and they charge a lot, man. And and obviously when when they see they're more more vulnerable, like they don't have an option, that they can go somewhere else and that they actually need to get across in these cities uh, or through a certain path or even water, like they need water through the desert. They need like someone to help them carry um, a a huge backpack. Um, If they charge for everything and they charge in dollars and it's not cheap. So for them, immigration works just perfect. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, I guess my last few questions, I know, what's your take on tr- when Trump was in office, Did the cartels care, not care?
1: Well, what do they, you think? The, Trump was making shit tons of money for, for cartels. I actually published a story how his rhetoric and his policies were making cartels pretty much richer. Oh, really? Cause they were, they were benefiting from, they will benefit from everything. They will benefiting back then on saying, you know, it's super hard to get across right now. Like the Trump border and the wall and everything it's, it's hard. So I'm not going to charge you 500 anymore per person. I'm going to charge it twice. Cause now I have to pay more and find new routes and this and that or whatever And so migrants were like, wow, well with Trump it's really hard to get across but this smuggler has a way in and it's gonna cost us like talk twice what well, we'll get the money we'll we'll, we'll ask for families in, in the u.s to send the money out um to to, to, to pay these smugglers. so most of them were they had these weird comments where they will say "fuck trump but at the same time it's like well we're charging double because of his strong policy against immigration you know um like nothing was really changing to be honest when you're in the ground you're like why are you charging that much saying that with trump it's super hard to get across when it's it's like it has never stopped you're just using like man-made ladders tunnels going around the the desert bribing um border patrol officers it's like you you've been doing like exactly the same that you were doing like during the past 10 administrations. And they're like, yeah, man, but he's, what he says, like impacts and gets fear out of the immigrants and we cash on that. Um, but they cash on everything because now with Biden, they're like, well, now it's basically open. The um, border is open. This guy is getting everyone in. Um, so they're inviting and enticing a lot of people to come by and to try to get across. That's so. interesting
0: because I know you you mentioned the border being open in a way. So the cartels the rumor is 30 40 years ago a lot of coyotes were independent. They didn't have mm-hmm. cart, they didn't have the cartels owning them. But now the now they said nobody crosses the border without a cartel involved mm-hmm. in some capacity. With the open borders of the cartels controlling it more now saying well yeah it's not so easy <laughs> you're, not yeah. you're not walking you're not walk because now people can say I'll just walk without the cartel I yeah. don't need
1: a coyote. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah that's or what like...
1: happened in, in Ciudad Cunha Ciudad Cunha they found an easy spot you know they found this dam where Haitians weren't getting across and no there wasn't like no cartel none there was none of the cartels operating down in Ciudad Cunha or owning the route. So that's where, like, that's why they showed up to that place. They were like, okay, if you go to San Luis Rio Colorado, if you go to Tamaulipas, you're like, you're going to have to pay cartels. But, but we found these small cities Cunha, where there's, like, you don't have to pay anyone. So they all decided to go there. But it, it was just like a, like a funnel, you know, because they, they didn't want to pay cartels. Um, back when the wall was a chickenpox, um, it was literally these small fence, um, but basically a chickenpox a fence, you know, like this, this super small uh, barbed wire. I mean, not even barbed wire, but it was like a wire fence. Um, and um, back then, obviously, smugglers were not smugglers. They were not organized crime. They were people who lived by that fence and they were like helping other people. so, like, hey, if you want to give me something for la, la Solas, they call them, you know, like to something out of like some cash, some petty cash. And migrants were like, yeah, man, thank you. If you let me get across through your backyard, um, I'll leave you, I don't know, 10, 20 bucks. And they're like, yeah, for sure, man. So that was not organized crime. As soon as the wall started like, to grow cameras, sensors, more agents at the border, that's when organized crime started like stepping in. It's like, all right, we're going to find a way but we're going to charge. And where's money? Cartel's always going to be after that. If there's money in avocados, if there's money on wood, if there's money like on anything that is money, they're going to cash in. So that attracted the whole criminal organizations. And now it's, it's huge. It's a huge revenue they have from human
0: smuggling right now. After talking with you for about an, over an hour now, it doesn't seem like a whole lot's changed. It seems like the, yeah. wherever we were five years ago is a, about the same situation we are now. Am I off yeah. on that? Yeah,
1: man. not like, totally. It, it, like generally speaking, it's, it's it hasn't really changed much. I mean, the either the whichever policy you apply, whichever party, whichever right or left um, you apply to this equation, it's going to end up being the same. People is looking to survive. They're looking to have better. Uh, means they're looking for better lands. They're looking for where it's water, you know, to find water to harvest. Like the, we're looking, all we're looking to to survive and to make a better life for ourselves. Um, and, and nothing's really changing. The only thing I will say it is definitely changing is uh, the criminal organizations. They are growing. They're getting stronger. They're getting more funded, um, and that's the only factor that I'm that I'm watching uh change through through the years migration will change they're gonna be like a, we're gonna see venezuelans and then ecuadorians and then nicaraguans now that the elections in nicaragua are around the corner um people from asia people from africa people from haiti there's i was gonna be migration the migration i was gonna be there um, but the money is gonna be capped by very few and that very few are the head of the criminal organizations Um, I guess the U.S. authorities are not banking on it they're trying to to make their work uh, Mexican authorities are trying to make their the the best out of the job they have Um, I guess everybody every single politician they're trying to you know juggle around the immigration issue and maybe have a political um you know um tight spot but um but other than that, the only the only people banking from all of these is criminal organizations.
0: I guess my last question would be China. How much of a role do you see them playing right now? Because I know they're trying to get in there and I can no. see China and the drug cartels getting along pretty well.
1: Yeah, well, yes, yeah, totally, man. Fentanyl um, it's not coincidence that the whole precursors are, are from China, the, the biggest precursor, the, the biggest chunk of the precursor to make fentanyl in Mexico comes from China. Some other comes from Germany, but that's only like a small part. The the biggest part comes from China. Um, The um, lithium mine company in Sonora, which was like a very dangerous place right now. It's very violent place. Um, it's, uh, It's owned by a Chinese company, like a huge Chinese company that provides lithium to tesla to 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 all of the to to all of the tesla cars to all of the elon musk cars so yeah chinese are trying to trying to get a hold of the americas like they're strong they have strong ties in in nicaragua they have strong ties in cuba they have strong ties um in in mexico even they they they're building up their relationships all through latin america because i i think they know this is going to be their way into the U.S. You know, This is how they're going to take over the U.S. Um, every gap that the U.S. is leaving to Latin America, every everything the U.S. is wrongdoing in Latin America, they're going to try to bank on that. They're going to try to say, like, okay, so that's what the U.S. did to you? Okay, we're, we're friends. I'm, I'm, I'll help you. I'll help you. Building the democracy that the U.S. couldn't help you. I'll help you financially i'll help you you know so they are definitely banking on that and it's not because they think they're like humanitarians you know i think because that's the way they they know this is this is going to work for them and this has been working for them
0: folks again we were talking luis chaparro you can find him on instagram at luis l-u-i-s kuriaki K U R. Y A K I also check out confidential.substack.com. Confidential.substack.com. Keep up to date if you're interested in knowing what the cartels are up to, what's happening in Mexico and at the border. Hey, I know a lot of Americans that go down to the border a lot in vacation, they travel down there. You want to keep up to speed. Um, if you're listening to this in your situational awareness podcast, you know we're always giving you the information that we can to help you protect yourself and be more secure. So, um, Thank you so much, Luis, again, for taking the time to be with us.
1: Carlos, thank you very much for having me. This has been a very entertaining conversation, and it's, uh, what, about an hour now? And that was pretty pretty quick. <laughs> it's amazing
0: how <laughs> fast that was, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I guess it's always <laughs> kind of interesting to talk about the cartels. Again, totally. folks, go check out Luis. Uh, Luis Chaparra, confidential.substack.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe, share, hit that like button